Hello and welcome to the Audio Epics Podcast. It feels good to say that again. <laughs> well, hi, we're back after, I would say months, but Domin just told me it's been a year already. A year of silence. Uh, yes. Our lives have changed. We have lived a life of quiet contemplation. Yeah. And our lives have changed in the meanwhile <laughs> since we had a sequel to Ronan, our firstborn. Uh, called Liam. We wanted to name him Ronan too first, but... Um, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all is well. As you can hear, I survived labor and childbirth. Um, barely, but still. Uh, Ronan loves his little brother very much. He's now uh, three and Liam is ten months already. And those little rascals are so cute together, but um, obviously they're a handful. And that's why it's been a while. Uh, well, a, a long while, apparently. Raising two boys, uh, trying to tackle a mount doom of dirty clothes and dishes and keeping our little voiceover and copywriting company afloat. Um, we're not gonna lie, it's uh, it's a challenge. But still, uh, Domin found a way to write more often recently and I'm actually reading the first unfinished draft of The Word of Wolfen at the moment. Yeah, uh, very, so. very unfinished. Uh, <laughs> very unfinished. Maybe Domin can tell you a little bit more about it. I uh, I have a part-time job now. I work in a law firm, not as a lawyer, but as a librarian, because actually it's a, it's a law firm that has its own library, full of legal books. Very boring, but anyway, um, I, I have a part-time job there now. Uh, it's in Brussels, so I have to take the train three days a week to get there. And uh, recently, uh, we unearthed this old uh, netbook that Eileen used to use uh, back when she was a student aeons ago and um, and it still works and uh, but it's it's really slow and it can't do much you can't really use it to to surf on the internet or or to do much else other than just writing typing and that's perfect because it forces me to focus and so I can sit on the train with my little netbook and just write yeah, like J.K. Rowling. Yeah, nice. I, yeah, yeah. Did she write on the train? Yeah. So oh. maybe it's not gonna be a trilogy, Witch Hunter, but there's going to be seven parts or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who, who knows? <laughs> but it's. I mean, what I mean to say is, recently it's been going uh, more fluently. It's, uh, there's been an, an uptake, so that's good. And uh, when it comes to uh, the story, I was about to write. Um, yeah, that's kind of gone into the fridge, I guess. Not well, much happening there. Uh, since I'm a mom of two boys, it's been really busy. And I recently found out, uh, for those who are familiar with the, the disc profiling, that I'm one of those annoying CSI types. So I'm such a perfectionist that I'm probably never going to finish any story ever. But um, since we had Liam the sequel to Ronan, uh, we thought it was only fitting to launch our first podcast on the topic of sequels, as well as prequels and spin-offs. Yeah, let's talk about uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. sequels. So, what is a sequel? Well, um, we decided to make a distinction between two kinds of sequel. Um, there's wh what I would call a pure sequel, which is when, you, when the story's done, and then you start start it over again. I mean, you, you start up a new story. 
Yeah, like um, in lots of horror movies. Yeah, like it didn't die. <laughs> yeah, so you After could just <laughs> you could just watch the one movie and be done with it. But um, there's also a sequel, and you know, like Aliens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or, or Gremlins too. And then there's a different kind of sequel, which I would call a second part, which is when it's really one big story, and. Um, and you know the second part, the sequel is just you know the continuation of um, of the one big story. <laughs> yeah. Um, for example, the two towers is you know the sequel to the Fellowship of the Ring, but it's really one big story. Um, the right. Lord of the Rings trilogy. Or uh, it chapter two. Yeah, yeah, it chapter two. That's nice because um, it's not a trilogy, uh, so it doesn't always have to be a trilogy. Um, in in this case, with it, it's yeah. really just two parts. Can also be a very very big book that's just impossible to get into one movie. So yeah, exactly. Or uh, Back to the Future uh, is another good example. That really is one big story divided into three movies. That being said, uh, a pure sequel starts up the story again, or a new story, and a second part continues one big story. But I can imagine that there are kind of blended forms between those two yeah yeah i guess um when you when you have a feeling uh that you could stop watching after the first movie but you know i could go for a second part but yeah. it's not necessary i mean it, that's the case with a lot of books i think um mm-hmm. where you can read the first one as a standalone but if you really like it then you can continue and then you find out that once you read part two you really have to read the whole series yeah, I, I prefer those because that, that keeps me in control of things. I think Harry Potter is like that. Um, yeah. You can read just the first one and be done with it. But once you start with number two, you're really yeah, along for the ride. there's no stopping from there. Yeah, uh, it's, I think it's the same with the original Star Wars trilogy, you know? The yeah, first one was, was it's nobody assumed that there had to be a sequel um, uh, when the first one came out in 1977. Uh, there was an ending. They all got medals, except for Chewbacca. So yeah, he didn't deserve one. No. Uh, it's just a whiner. <laughs> uh, but once The Empire Strikes Back came out, that really ended on you know a cliffhanger note, and you really needed to get to part three. Exactly. So what makes a good, pure sequel? Okay, so a good, pure sequel um, is a movie that, you know, gives, or a book that gives you, you know, a new story with the same characters uh, or the same protagonist or the same concept the same world thing yeah the same Shit. thing yeah. <laughs> and it uh, but but it shouldn't of course just be a, a repeat of number 1 it should take what people loved about number 1 and then do something fresh with it uh, and i think a good like example number 2 <laughs> <laughs> um like terminator 2 perhaps uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day yeah I think that's a good example because there's a twist right yeah, you know it's the same the same thing spoiler um, alert they defeated the bad robot in number one okay that's it oh no there's a new bad robot <gasps> but turns out this time Arnold Schwarzenegger is the good guy what twist I really like that twist when I when I first saw the second Terminator yeah. I was like what because you don't find out until you know a, a very crucial scary moment yeah chase as well yeah. and yeah 
So that was really well done. With a, a pure sequel, it's not always necessary to make it bigger, but it often is, right? Like like with aliens, it was not enough to have one alien to scare the shit out of us, but they needed more of them. A whole bunch of them, <laughs> uh, plus plus uh, the queen. Yeah. Yeah. That that was really a movie that the second where the second one went much further in terms of scale. Yeah, if you think Ripley was having a bad day the first one, think again. Yeah, yeah, good tagline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so these are some examples of of sequels done well. So what might be some examples of sequels that don't really work or perhaps, you know, that have some problems with them? I guess those would be sequels that are too different from the first one like a lot of people consider Blair Witch 2 uh, a bad sequel because it's so different from the first one in terms of uh, atmosphere and uh, the way it was set up Um, yeah I guess because what made the first one special was the concept and that concept was thrown overboard so the Blair Witch Project was a movie from the 90s I think or early 2000s which was about people who go camping in the woods and there's a legend about a witch, right? Yeah, it was seriously creepy. And, but the whole movie was, was found footage, you know? It, 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 was, it was pretended that it was, you know, footage that these people shot themselves and then, you know, they all died or, or, or were yeah, it's taken by the witch. That- that nobody survived. Yeah. Yeah. And then we the, the footage was found and that's what we get to see. Yeah, and I, I don't really remember too well, but I think the second one was uh, was shot in a mansion more than it was out there in the woods, which made it completely different in terms of atmosphere. And also, I think... It was just a normal movie, there right? There was no shaky yeah. cam, so you can watch it. Oh, yeah, that I can watch it, but... but I mean, just because it doesn't have shaky cam doesn't mean I'm going to watch it. Because <laughs> I'll have to watch a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, um, I think another example uh, from the world of video games might be Dragon Age 2. Now, this comes with a bit of a caveat in that I personally really liked Dragon Age 2, even though it was critically not so well received when it came out. Um, now, Dragon Age 1 was this big epic fantasy uh, role-playing game right? Uh, with a big journey throughout all the lands and you go to the dwarven dungeons and the mountains and different the woods. Different side quests with yeah. different clans of people, uh, yeah. or creatures or whatever, yeah. And then in the second one, all of a sudden it takes place in one small city uh, and the whole game is based in that same location and you have some side quests in different locations, but you basically go to the same place again and again. And the, the tone of the story is much more small-scaled. It's really about more you... More family-centered yeah, as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you're trying yeah. to just, you know, have a life in in this environment rather than, you know, being the hero who saves the world. So I think a lot of people didn't like that. I did like it. I felt it was something different. And um, I, I, I thought there were some really great ideas, but I do see, you know, the, the issues that were there. Um, it's very clear that they didn't have much time to develop it. But despite all of that, there was some real creativity there, I think. But I get the criticism. 
often the initial intention of the creators changes when they start um, making the the sequel. Uh, what I mean is, for example, I was thinking about um, the horror movie Saw. I never saw that movie. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Um, well, I did uh, when I was a teenager, and I thought it was interesting. I, I used to watch a lot of horror movies, and it stuck out because it was about this this lunatic. Whoa, no horror movies ever about a lunatic. No, it was a, a, a lunatic who was... Um, he, he had cancer. He was diagnosed with cancer, and he felt like he really wanted to live, and other people were actually wasting their lives in the meanwhile. So what he wanted to do... Uh, was teach them a lesson in in horrible ways. In the first Saw, there's this famous scene where um, a guy is locked up in a room and there's only one way to escape, that's um, to use a saw that's there and and saw off his own foot. Or he can just remain there and, and starve, I guess. And But that's the only thing people remember and that's the thing that, that was a big deal when when it came out. So when right, right. when the next movies came out, they they took that aspect of the movie, the 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 gruesome, messy, right, icky stuff, and and they kind of forgot about I think the the interesting part of the plot that it was about uh, the psychological thing about it, mm. and they they made it about these terrible ways to torture people actually right yeah and that's when the the torture porn genre yeah, was they was actually born. they actually pushed the limits there and with each new saw i was less interested i i don't think i i watched them all i no 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 i i, I completely get that um I, but i'm i'm i don't know but i think maybe the sequels were made by different people and they just sort it's of it's possible Try to cash in on the success of the first one. Yeah, if you if you see the, uh, I, I used to own the DVD when I was a teenager. I don't think I I have it anymore, but in the back, the the summary was all about that scene where the guy had to uh, kind of saw his own right, foot yeah. off. While to me, when I watched the movie for the first time, I thought that was just a scene in the movie that was about a, a bigger issue. Right, uh, yeah. A guy with cancer who wanted to punish yeah. people. So I think it's something similar, uh, like what happened with the Rambo series. Mm-hmm. The first one was really about, you know, how uh, this guy he comes back from Vietnam. He's a um, he's a war veteran, and um, you know the people weren't too keen on that war, and so they they weren't very nice to the soldiers who came back. And you can see how you know he's affected by that, and he's sort of he turns against uh, people and you know that it was this whole there was this whole issue behind it uh but uh, people just i think really liked the, the the action and the and the, the the toughness of the main character and so that led into some sequels that were really just shoot 'em ups yeah and i i think the same thing happened for nightmare on elm street the first one i think still wanted to really convey fear in people, um, make them make them fear the, the moment where they were going to have to sleep, um, keep people awake, uh, give people nightmares. But there were a couple of really borderline funny things in the movie, mm. or just outright funny yeah. things, like a young Johnny Depp um, 
being killed and his his blood uh, like a fountain spraying. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, it was hilarious in the movie. Yeah, it was. It. I don't. I don't think that was their intention, but it it it, it was really funny. Mm. And and then tongues coming out of the phone and stuff. And I think they took yeah. that aspect and they didn't expect people to laugh at it. But there's clearly from from the second movie on more like this tongue-in-cheek uh yeah. humorous but vibe to it that that they keep uh using in the in the second and the third and the, and the fourth but to be perfectly honest i think in this case actually the sequels are better because i think that freddy works better when it's a bit funny and tongue-in-cheek it does work yeah and, and, and I, I, if it's too serious the concept is so ridiculous that you know I don't know. I, I kind of like the fact that it's yeah for a burned supernatural psychopath. I think he really has a good sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I used to have these uh, sleepover parties w- with a friend, and we used to watch all Freddy movies in one go, and and we laughed. They didn't keep us up at night. We just <laughs> we just really laughed at them. So yeah, um, the tone can really shift. I think Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is another example of. A sequel where the tone really is different from the f- the first movie. In what sense? I think um, that uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was this. It was a big adventure movie, and it had a it had a sense of humor, but it had some. I don't know. It felt more intelligent somehow. The, the humor was a bit more intelligent. The, the the characters were more fleshed out, and Temple of Doom, uh, to me, feels a bit. I don't know. There's something childish about it. It's it's too silly. I, the tone is is really different. Well, I I actually think they all have that. The movies uh, in in Temple of Doom, they 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 just take out hearts, and in in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's this scene by the end where uh, laser beams come out of the the Ark and and then kill the Nazis, and then in Crystal Skull you have. Um, Indiana Jones hiding for a nuclear attack in a fridge and uh, actually um, the third one is my favorite the, um yeah definitely I think yeah Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade by far the best but there must have been a silly scene in that one too I thought it was kind of a there, yeah, there were lots of silly scenes but they were intentionally silly they were genuinely funny exactly i always thought that was a deliberate aspect of an indiana jones movie that there was this silly silly aspect that that came back in every movie it seems it seems like this shift in tone is something that happens a lot in in action and horror movies but maybe that's because those genres have a lot of sequels yeah perhaps now on the other hand you can have a sequel that's too much the same also i think that's another problem that you could have yeah, problem. Um, or some people like that, I think, because there are certain uh, elements that come back, structural elements. Like, for example, in Home Alone 2, um, that movie's criticized a lot that it's actually just Home Alone 1, but then copy-paste and then change a couple of things. I get that, but... Um, I would agree with that, actually. I think it kind of works that there's uh, this creepy bird lady in the second one and there's the the shovel guy in the in the first one. I, I see what they're doing and it's not like it's this this big, deep uh, philosophical masterpiece. It's just a really fun movie. And um, 
I'm really glad they made the sequel, actually. Well, I, I don't mind that they made it, but given the choice, I'll watch Home Alone 1 yeah, anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, usually, I think most people would... Usually the first uh, movie is what people think is, is the best movie. Yeah, and they think that about Indiana Jones as well, Raiders of the Lost Ark, because it's, you know, that's when you get to know the character and, and, and the concept. Yeah, I guess But I think the, the third one is the best. Yeah, me too. Just story-wise, yeah. um, it's it's my favorite, definitely. Uh, I think another example is, for example, Little Mermaid 2, where you have kind of a reversed situation. In the first one, you have um, the sad little mermaid uh, who wants to become human. Then she gets married, happy ending. In the second movie, her daughter, um, who is raised and born as a human, mm-hmm. wants to become a mermaid. Right, so. okay, yeah. It does same feel kind of cheap. Right. And I remember wasn't, wasn't the, the, Didn't the witch have a sister? And then that, yeah. that sister was the bad guy? That was kind of a yeah. lame commercial decision, I think. But, but still, as a, as, a, as a small child, I think you can enjoy it. It's no problem. It's like The Lion King 2 was kind of enjoyable. While the first one was actually Hamlet in Africa... Um, the second one was Romeo and Juliet in Africa. So that, that was kind of predictable, but somehow cute in a way. Yeah, And of course, if we're talking about sequels that are too much the same, we cannot leave out... The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know we like to bash the Disney Star Wars movies, but... Um, Isn't that movie completely different from A New Hope? Yes, because... What was called the Death Star in A New Hope is now called the Star Killer Base. So it's completely, completely different. different. And anyway. it's not about the rebels, it's about the resistance. Big difference. And it's not about the Empire, it's about the First Order. And there's no R2D2, but there's BB 8. And there's no Darth Vader, there's Kylo Ren. And so on and so on. You and get the picture. Yeah. Disney likes to copy paste. Yeah, they're they're a, a very big corporation and they they are, they are very commercial. That's so. why they earn a lot of money and we don't. So actually, uh, for the second part of Witch Hunter, we're just going to copy paste the first one and then just change a couple of things. Like we make the goddess a god and make Samina a kind of gypsy boy, sad Sa- little gypsy boy. Samino. Samino, yeah. Yeah, no, um, no let's not. actually, I, I was just thinking about an example of a good sequel. Yeah. And I thought Shrek 2 oh, right, is an yeah. example of a sequel that really just, it uh, really just manages to, you thought the story was finished, it was over, it was done, it was, it was good. But then the, the sequel sort of answers a question that you didn't ask. What happens after, you know, they get married and they, and they have to actually... You know, she's a princess and they have to actually meet her parents. And then he's an ogre and, and, and she's an ogre. You know, that's a whole story in and of itself. And everything that comes out of that mm-hmm. and all the issues and problems. And they really, they were very creative with that. Right. But I guess Shrek would fall kind of between a pure sequel and a second part. Isn't that a good example? Yeah, that yeah. The second Shrek was Because kind of you see... That oh the wait story a minute goes this, on? this isn't everything yeah I do want to know how it goes on yeah yeah but 
you should have you could have stopped after the first movie i guess yeah you could also stop after the second yeah Yeah. that's nice about those movies they they just leave you in control like you're you're not obliged to binge a whole series of of movies no no but we did see uh, did did watch them all um they were very entertaining. Yeah, they were very enjoyable. Our Even though I, I tend to, you know, hate it when they, when, you know, they put modern elements in in fairy tale contexts. Yeah, but that's kind of the concept. But yeah, in Shrek, in, so Shrek it's, it's fine. in Shrek, the tone was of of such a nature that it didn't bother me. It was. Yeah, and our, our son thought it was it was amazing because he's really in this phase where he is obsessed with fairy tales and yeah. dragons and and knights and it's really cute to watch uh, he's, he's discovering <laughs> yeah. all these these cool movies and, and new fairy tales and books and it's it's really great uh, but his favorite movie is boss baby <laughs> yeah which is kind of a nice movie too yeah yeah anyway so we we talked about sequels um now what makes a good second part uh, you know the, the story continues it's one big hole and then you have the second part um what makes a good second part well since it continues the f- the, the first story the original story uh, you get the chance to do something more with the character so i guess it, yeah. it would have to complete the character arcs or move the character arcs forward like uh like they do in the hobbit for example Right, uh, in in the movie version yeah. of of the Hobbit, the yeah, trilogy, Bilbo by Peter Jackson is um, Bilbo is kind of you know it's very reluctant. He's not adventurous at all in the first one. He certainly he doesn't want to prove how amazing he is to the dwarves or anything like that. He wants to leave. He he even tries to leave at one point, but then towards the end of of the first Hobbit movie, he does one really heroic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is to jump in front of uh, of Thorin when the orcs attack. Yeah, and he gains his respect and, that way. Yeah, and it's a really nice character arc actually because he starts off as someone who really doesn't want uh, to take part in any adventure. He, yeah, he, he clearly says so to Gandalf, yeah. and then he he decides to join them anyway. But he would actually return for a hanky. He's not yeah, the courageous guy exactly. at all. And and they gradually build up uh, exactly. his courage and, and because of that one heroic deed that he did at the end of the first movie, that sort of opens the way for the the growth that he has in the second one, when he really becomes the hero of the company. He saves the dwarves several times, and they start to look up to him. They start to look to him for for advice and you know what are we gonna do now, Bilbo? Any ideas? Which was unthinkable in the first part so it, that's you know you could, that's a good example of of the character arc spread out over a, over a trilogy i think the second part seamlessly logically continues on from the first one but feels different in in a lot of cases yeah it, it, it there's there is some shift in tone but not too extreme but there is a shift in the tone i think back to the future 2 is is a very nice example of that yeah, um, and I love the way they they kind of foreshadow each sequel. Yeah, uh, exactly. in, in the former movie. Exactly. So the first one ends with where we're going. We don't need roads, so you know <laughs> they're gonna have flying cars um, in the future, which is uh, five years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, yeah, and then at the end of the the second one, there's a foreshadowing of part three. So so yeah, it, it logically continues on, but every movie has a different vibe to it. Um, the yeah, first that- one is more nostalgic. The second one is more futuristic, and then the third one is you know uh, more a trip to a trip Yeehaw. to a completely different yeah <laughs> time in the past. Yeah, and and. Isn't it so that the the second one usually takes on a darker tone and and the yeah. third too for that matter I think a lot of trilogies go kind of more serious and darker as the the story progresses Yeah that's true um the typical example is of course The Empire Strikes Back um I was also thinking now that you mentioned that of the um Planet of the Apes movies the ones with uh, Andy Serkis Right but there, I think, they really get darker with each one because the third one is the darkest. Yeah, it's and very, very depressing. It's also logical because there's just dramatic irony that the audience experiences. Um, oh, you mean because we know that this is really the prequel to the Planet of the Apes? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That we know what's going to happen. Yeah, 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 and it's it's nice how uh, by the end of that trilogy you you can see oh so this is why in the original Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston, you know there are humans but they can't speak etc. And I don't want to mention the Hunger Games again, but I'm going to do so anyway <laughs> because it's the only book I've ever read. Um, no, I I actually I I read um, the sequel the sequels as well in the Hunger Games. That's the case too. Uh, you start off with uh, it's a pretty serious situation, but still, as the trilogy moves on, each book or uh, movie, if you've watched the movies, becomes a bit darker, and the the themes become more serious and and dark than than in the first one, which is kind of the the movie that that's supposed to draw people in, and you could stop after the first story. But there's still this kind of subtle feeling that the story's not over yet. And mm-hmm. they they establish that by the end. This is not over. You survived this, but this is not over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, in the second one, the, the characters are really challenged to the full. They Yeah. Yeah. And spoiler alert, you don't expect it when you read the books uh, the first time. But in the second one, you're kind of surprised that there's another Hunger Games and and you expect the main character of course because it's about Katniss that she's going to take part in them in some way but what you don't mm-hmm. see coming is that she's actually going in the arena again mm-hmm. um, but they do it quite well uh, she, she does it quite well um, Susan Collins because uh, the second arena is completely different from, from the first one there's a very different feel to it yeah, and also because the, the candidates are older people, also, and that that changes the feel of it, also. Yeah, right, and you know that she's not just going to get away with it again, so they need to do something else in the second part, which makes it kind of exciting. So now that we're talking about trilogies, a clear job for the second part is that it should set up the third part. I mean. That's really, really fundamental to a, a trilogy. The second uh, installment has to, by the end, make you feel like 
okay, wow, now I'm now I'm all prepped for the big resolution in part three. Yeah. You know, the board is set, the pieces are moving, we come to it at last, the great battle of our time. Right? Exactly, yeah. I think one one trap that some stories could fall into is like when I was reading Reckoners, uh, by the end of the second part... Every- Reckoners by Brandon Sanderson, whom we have not mentioned yet. Not yet. This episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in, in Reckoners, the second part, by the end, you really have the feeling that everything that could have possibly uh, gone wrong has gone wrong. And there's no way it will ever... Uh, the world will ever be the same again. And, and it's it's really dark and gloomy. And it, it kind of leaves you depressed so well if you don't continue then yeah you'll stay depressed you'll have to read the third part so you really want to read the third part because you you suspect that they're going they're going to find a way anyway to to make up for that but i find that i still haven't finished the third part because it's it's still so gloomy all the time that you just can't see where the the solution is going to come from and that's that's a bit of uh, a challenge with a, a third part that if everything has gone so terribly wrong that you have right. to resolve it in the third part you don't want to build up to that and then resolve everything in the last moment uh, because then the tone of the third book yeah. is going to be too dramatic and the, i think yeah. the hunger games suffered from that a little bit as well right yeah yeah, I, I can see what you mean. There, there can be a point when the story gets so hopeless and gloomy that you don't want to continue anymore because you you feel like this it's enough. It's too oppressive. Yeah. I can't handle this. So if you're can, a writer yeah. uh, and you're writing on your third part of a trilogy, make sure your your readers survive because if they kill themselves in the middle of your <laughs> book, then it's too bad because you put all this effort in finishing it finishing your big trilogy and if your audience just kills themselves or kill each other for that matter um it's it's too bad yeah yeah that is too bad now uh speaking uh, of uh, bad uh, speaking of bad i think the perfect example of a bad second part in the sense that it doesn't set up part three is of course uh, star wars the last jedi uh, I, don't, I think it's the ideal example of the, of that um, yeah, why is that? Well, because <laughs> because basically what The Last Jedi does, for all of its many, many other flaws, but what, one of the th- many things that's wrong with it is that it sort of it resolves the storyline and doesn't leave you curious as to, oh, how is this going to end in part three? Because it ended in part two. Um, basically, more or less. I mean, there there are no more questions left. It leaves you without questions, or oh, it left y- me with twenty. Yeah, questions. yeah, I know. But I mean, why was this created? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I I think the biggest issue is, of course, when they kill Snoke. The main villain is dead, so I guess now now what? Kylo Ren is going to be the main villain, but he's obviously not a strong enough villain. So well, none of them were actually. He was the coke light of the emperor. So so it, it, yeah, it, it, but it just leaves you sort of. So what now? What? And you can tell that they they had no clue where they were going to go. Uh, it's very very clear that there was no roadmap, right from the start, uh, which 
really baffles me. How can they buy the rights to the most popular franchise in the world for four billion dollars and say we're going to make Star Wars episode seven, eight, and nine and not know in advance how the trilogy is going to play out? That's just I, uh, unbelievable. Uh, I just I, think- I, I I'm totally baffled by that. I think pride had a lot to do with it. They were like, George Lucas, you created this entire world and characters. We can do this better, but only we're going to create a movie every other year, which is much faster than you can. <laughs> so, yeah, that didn't turn out really well. Yeah, because in the then in the third part, you know, they bring in they bring back the emperor as the villain. And you know that's a, where did that suddenly come from? You know, um, you, you, it's so obvious that they never planned that in advance. It was just, you know, oh wait, we we need to have a villain. Uh, uh, let's bring back the emperor. I think it also helps if you if you're talking about a trilogy, whether it's in movies, um, in a, in a book, that's much less an issue. But when we're talking movies. I think it's very important that they have the same people working on the the three yeah. parts. Yeah, I think if if J.J. Abrams had done the entire trilogy, it would have been better. And that they have the At same least. vision. Yeah, yeah, and it is tough. And I think uh, part two is especially tough. There's this phrase um, from the music industry, the difficult second album. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I think that holds up. It, it's, I mean, it's true for for stories as well. Um, the follow up to to something is is always it's always a hard one. Yeah, it's always um, it's always nice to uh, to read or to watch uh, a well done uh, sequel or second part because it's it's really hard to do. I think another thing that can occur with a, a second part is that it's too different, I think, from the first one. And then I'm not only talking in a tone or when it comes to movies, it can also be the 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 style, the, the style, the camera style or the... Yeah. Yeah. Or replacing actors. I, I always think that's yeah. annoying when they replace actors. But sometimes actors. they don't have a choice. Yeah, when an actor dies, I get it. <laughs> but... Actually, uh, speaking of that... Uh, I'm going to be controversial again. That's one of my complaints with The Dark Knight. I, I, I love Batman Begins. I think it's it's probably the best superhero movie I've ever seen. But um, I think The Dark Knight is the most overrated movie ever made. And um, one of the reasons why is that because first... Katie Holmes wasn't there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes! We want Katie Holmes! <laughs> Bring back Katie Holmes! No, but yeah, replacing actors. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably they couldn't help that if she didn't want to come back. Then okay, then they had to find a she new one. She returned to Dawson. The <laughs> <laughs> Batman she guy chose is so Dawson violent. after all. <laughs> I want a nice guy again. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Yeah. So um, the first Batman Begins movie had this great. Batman atmosphere, you know, the city, which is called hint hint Gotham City, had a gothic feel to it, especially towards the end of the movie, you know, and they used the whole 
the, the scarecrow mask to bring in these, at least visually, these supernatural elements, even though it was a quote-unquote realistic story. Um, you know, at least, you know, they, they brought these Jungian archetypes into it, you know, and, and, and the creatures and the darkness and the, you know, and the, 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 the sort of sepia colors and the smoke and mist and all of that was perfect. Um, not as crazy and outlandish as the Tim Burton version, but it still had that gothic Batman vibe to it. Yeah, I loved it. And then part two comes along and the very first shot of the movie is a bunch of skyscrapers, modern glass skyscrapers in bright daylight. And, you know, I was disappointed from that very first shot onward. And the rest of the movie continues in this sort of this trend where it's it's too it wants to be too realistic. It wants to be like a sort of crime movie like Heat or something. Yeah, um, right. This sort of cop drama, you know, and it's about a guy who dresses up as a bat and, and, <laughs> a, and a creepy clown. I mean, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like a, a modern no, cop movie. Fans. <laughs> no, but I, that's why I don't like The Dark Knight. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really like it either. But I think for different reasons. I, I thought the story had a lot of flaws, uh, and and yeah, and and the, the atmosphere of the the first one was was great, was was brilliant, and it doesn't really come back indeed. Yeah, which is kind of sad. I was music was great though. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, by the way, uh, we're having tea, right? Because yeah. we're always having tea. So, what are we having? Uh, we're having, we're drinking yogi tea right now, which is kind of uh, it's it's supposed to be um, a, a nice brand of tea, uh, a bit more expensive yes, than the supermarket tea, but it's kind of the you have to be in the mood for it because they all kind of taste the same. And the the labels have little nuggets of wisdom on them yeah that's why we buy them because they give us so much deep wisdom yes so uh, my wisdom is <laughs> you go first what's your what's your wisdom well my wisdom is think seriously and think honestly i think that's what this podcast is all about yeah so whoa <laughs> okay uh my my serious uh quote is um the beauty of the soul is constant, continuous, and endless. I would really love to meet the guy who writes these things. It's probably some depressed guy, uh, you know, chained to a desk somewhere with a with a cigarette in in his mouth, you know, behind a typewriter with greasy hair. Or maybe an inspired guy in a, in a Buddhist temple. Who knows? That yeah. Probably <laughs> in Gotham, in Gotham, in Gotham City. City. <laughs> so let's talk about prequels. I'd like to make a distinction between a true prequel and just a story that's set before. Am, am I making sense? I guess you're making <laughs> sense. So, um, the Beast of the Western Wilds. Would you would you say that's a, a prequel or a spin-off or yeah, maybe the the word spin-off is is a better word. Um 
than just story said before. Thing is, oh, so you you want to make a distinction between a prequel and a spin-off that incidentally takes place before the main story or something. Yeah, like the thing is, I think the Beast of the Western Wilds is 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 what I meant. The the Beast of the Western Wilds isn't there to explain how Ludlow became the witch hunter or anything like that. It's it's not really tied into the main witch right. hunter story. It's it's a separate story yeah. about Ludlow set before witch hunter. Yeah. Unlike um, what they often do in superhero settings, uh, an origin story like Wolverine yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That or, would be a prequel, um, or Smallville. Then. Yeah. Um, so how he became Superman, sort of. The the I, the way I see a true prequel is a sort of a movie, or 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 whatever that shows you how things got to be the way they are. So in the like origin. like the Phantom Menace. Yeah, the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and uh, yeah. Revenge of the Sith. That's that's a prequel. It shows you um, how the Empire came to be. It shows you how Anakin became Darth Vader. Another example is the Netflix series of The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. It shows you, um, you know, well, it, it, it begins to show you because, you know, you don't get the whole yeah, story yet. Yeah, we finished it and... and it doesn't end where the dark crystals start. No, so. no, yeah. So the, the, there are still lots of gelflings, so yeah. they, 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 they're going to have to die out so at some point. So they're probably going to milk that cow for a little <laughs> while longer. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, but it, it does show you how the crystal got corrupted. No, no, I that know. already... Uh, hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really... It's, 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 it's really complicated. Um but we'll discuss that. We'll discuss that in a bit. But you get the uh, get the gist. Yeah. So the former stands alone, and is perhaps more like a spin-off. And the true prequel explains how things got to be the way they are in the original story. Yeah, that's that's how I would characterize it. Okay. So what makes a good prequel, in that respect? Well, I I think basically all the things that make a good sequel, maybe. Um. But there are also some other things that are particular to, to prequels. Um, I think a prequel should illuminate the original. It it should help you understand the original more. So um, if you have any questions you have, you know, for example, where did the stormtroopers come from? Uh, why is Darth Vader basically, why does is he sort of a half robot? Why is he dressed like that? What happened to make him this way? Um, that should be the, the, the questions that, that are answered in a prequel. Okay, and would you say that you need that information in order to enjoy the original story? Or is it... No, but it, it, enriches, it enriches your okay. experience. I think a, a great example is uh, The Hobbit. Um, if you watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the movies, and you come to Moria, Balin's tomb, mm-hmm. you see Gimli... Uh, crying, oh no, Balin is dead, boo-hoo. And you think, yeah, that's that's too bad. It is um, too bad. But, yeah, but if you first see The Hobbits and you get to know and love Balin, who is my favorite dwarf, and I think a lot of people like Balin. Yeah, absolutely. Then when you come to the Fellowship of the Ring and you see that they find Balin's tomb, it's really sad. It, 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 you 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 know that you know th- this was this this great really likable dwarf 
and he you know he got killed exactly and and, and the the whole tragic backstory of that and i can imagine um because you get to know gandalf uh, a lot more in the hobbit that um the when he when he falls to the balrog it it has a bigger impact as well yeah it's it's more shocking i wonder i i'm i'm really curious how uh, an audience member who has not seen any of them has never read the books doesn't know anything about it how they would react seeing um all six of them in the in chronological, in chronological order. order starting with yeah. an unexpected journey and ending with return of the king i'm really really curious um must be a t- totally different experience. Uh, yeah. I wonder about that too. Because I had the experience with the Star Wars movies. I watched the first one, the uh, chronologically, The Phantom Menace in mm-hmm. the theaters. And and then I moved on from there. Uh, so so yeah. you only saw A New Hope after Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, exactly. And I, I thought it was pretty well done that the the actually the, the spaceships really uh, designed... To uh, to match the ones in the New Hope, right? Yeah, yeah. In, yeah. in uh, Revenge of the Sith, which I thought was remarkable, and of course uh, the Simpsons had already spoiled uh, the big reveal that um, Anakin was Darth Vader for me. Thank you, Simpsons. But yeah, Simpsons spoiled a lot of things. In their defense, I was late. <laughs> yeah, the movie was. 25 years old by that point or something yeah, so. i was only just discovering that there were geek guys too and and not all the the guys were uh, these hockey playing cuties yeah yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, i'm serious before nobody ever took me to movies like that because people like that didn't exist before <laughs> Yeah, we live in Canada. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, um, I think, in a way, a prequel can be more interesting than a sequel, which is a very unpopular opinion. But um, in a way, it can be more interesting, because a prequel can make the original richer. Watching or reading a prequel can give you an experience that a sequel cannot give you, which is that when you then watch the original again there's an, an added dimension to it right and you can also add uh dramatic irony of course yeah yeah that's, that's one of the things yeah, that um, you cannot have in a, in a sequel so um so for people who are not familiar with that term dramatic irony is not the way we usually use the word irony uh, what that means is simply there's something that the audience knows but the characters don't know it and there can be a certain tension or um, or drama that comes from that. Yeah, and I, I thought that was that George Lucas played with that superbly in Revenge of the Sith because you know, even I knew that uh, Anakin Skywalker was going to turn into Darth Darth Vader, but you, you you didn't know when the first time you watched the movie. You didn't know when. You didn't know how. But you just knew it would happen and it was tragic because you liked the character and you didn't want it to happen, but you knew it would happen anyway. Actually, I think a good moment of dramatic irony might be um, in uh, in the second prequel, uh, Attack of the Clones, when they give Palpatine more power to, um, right. to defeat the army and then he sort of 
pretends that he reluctantly accepts it, uh, and then he says he says the line, um, "I love democracy. I love the republic." You know, and you know that that you know that's a, a filthy lie, as as a, as the audience. Yeah. So, um, what are some of the issues that you can have with prequels? I think sometimes they can introduce too much new stuff and it doesn't really fit with the original anymore. Like for example in in Smallville, Smallville kind of turns Superman into Krypton's biggest loser because in Smallville you you see this this beautiful story about a, a guy who who has who has to um learn living with these superpowers and 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 get control over them, but then all of a sudden these people from Krypton they visit and apparently they don't need to um, grow into using those powers because they're already really good at using them for some weird reason. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, it's, it's been a while since we saw this series, but it did feel like other people from Krypton had less, less of a problem to, you know, become super. It took Clark a really long time. yeah. It, like it, 10 it, years. It made me think of that expression. Uh, do they have that in English too? In the land of the blind, uh, one eye is king? Uh, or is that something... I, I think that's a Dutch expression. Well, we, we have that expression and it means that um, that the, the, the least stupid person <laughs> in um, in an environment of, of really stupid people may seem like the, the big hero. And... I, I think that's the case in Smallville. Clark Kent is the hero as Superman. But when you see all these other Kryptonians visit, you really have the impression that they right. sent Krypton's biggest loser to Earth and that, that the only reason yeah. why he seems cool is because humans are are uh, less cool than Kryptonians. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I get it completely. That's one of the real challenges of a prequel is that it has to make a flawless connection yeah it has to bridge the gap and i don't think the concept of smallville was wrong i think it was really interesting oh, the and concept I, was good i enjoyed watching it but i think the only problem is you know where the story is going to end you know uh the last episode of smallville will be when superman when he wears his costume and when clark kent is actually going to be superman mm-hmm. and you cannot build up to that for 10 seasons or what was it yeah 10 that's ridiculous so i think it's that's too much yeah if they if they had made it shorter i think it would have worked yeah yeah and if they had introduced less kryptonians but besides that i really enjoyed it i i enjoyed the atmosphere i enjoyed the concept of of a of an inexperienced Clark Kent who still needed to uh, find a way to to get along with with people and 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 master his his powers. So that that was really cool. That was yeah, in itself, in and of itself, a good concept. And I, when it comes to movies, etc., if you make a prequel and you make that prequel a, a long time after the original. It becomes harder to really make the to bridge the gap perfectly. Exactly. Example is uh, again uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. There's uh, the prologue in the Lord of the Rings, 
where you see how Bilbo finds the ring. And it's Ian Holm, but they made him a bit younger, you know, using some visual trickery. Um, and then, of course, you see the, the, the actual scene in, in the Hobbit movie. And then it's, uh, it's a different actor. It's Martin Freeman, a younger actor. And the scene plays out a bit differently. And um, I know that works perfectly when you're watching The Hobbit. But again, if you watch it as one continuous mm-hmm. um, oh. six-pack, then uh, <laughs> it will be strange once you get to Lord of the Rings and there's this flashback and suddenly, you know, it's not Martin Freeman. Well, it's. Uh, I don't think it's that big of an issue, actually. Uh, and it's something they could fix really easily, right? They did it in Star Wars. Yeah, they've they changed the the ghost of Anakin. Um, yeah, they, they. It would have been really, really. Hayden Christensen in there. It would have been really disorienting otherwise. People would really go, "Who is that?" <laughs> um, so I understand it. I don't think that's the the biggest problem, but for example, with the Dark Crystal, when it's a, a completely different generation mm. creating a prequel, many many years later, it's it's really hard to stay focused on the 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 main story and the main concept and especially if you if you're that ambitious that you want to turn it into this epic i'm very glad you you brought up that series because i really wanted to discuss it um i'm I'm a big big fan of the original movie the dark crystal as you know and um, i was really looking forward to the netflix series Age of Resistance, and I started. We started watching it, and I have to say, I went through a roller coaster of emotions uh, watching the series. I went from being really enthusiastic to getting disappointed, and then really hating it halfway through, and then going back and giving it another shot, and then in the end, I I I, I enjoyed it. I I did enjoy it, but I have a ton of issues with it. It was visually gorgeous. Um, yes, they did a really, really great yes. job. Yes, in ter- and the puppetry and everything in terms of that, it's it's masterful. The characters were great. Um, well, it's with the characters that no, it's with the characters that I have I have issues personally. Well, um, and I I thought initially they were they were great. It's just what they did with the the character arcs that yeah. has issues. The 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 way they they made the characters change over the over the episodes. It's it's really complex and dense and very political and it's just you know a good example it's so different from the movie yeah the l- in terms the of look the whole feel and tone of similar, it similar but the, the feel is completely different right yeah um one of the reasons why i thought the dark crystal movie was so great was it had it was very simple the story was very simple but it was an elegant simple story very traditional but the world was so mysterious that um that it sort of it it just drew you in and it it was this um otherworldly mythical universe and it was so immersive it was really magical and you went along for the journey you know with this simple you know a boy and a girl on a journey it was special uh, and then this this is so ambitious and you know with with peoples and councils and and titles and 
and crowns and you know i don't know and and super complex magical this and that um it just it didn't have the innocence and the mystery and the magic of the dark crystal yeah especially since i feel that they kind of abused it to to shove a lot of messages down the throat of the yeah yeah they the they audience. couldn't resist you know making a political statements you know it it did feel that way which um, is something we would we we would uh, have to do another episode on <laughs> yeah but um all in all uh, and, and another thing for example is um the character of the chamberlain in uh in the dark crystal in the movie he's very very different uh, i mean he's he's a conniving sort of sly yeah. Yeah, kind of dude. And he's like that in the movie, and he's like that in the series. But it's very different in the series. It's much more of a, I don't know. He, he, there's this long scene where he philosophizes about good and evil, and and that made me think. You know, the writers probably thought that scene was really smart, but I thought it was just kind of pretentious and just didn't fit the universe or the character. I think the problem is when people want to do a prequel or, or a sequel for that matter um, on something created by someone else, they usually want to do better. They want to prove themselves. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to really keep the spirit um, of the the original story in there, the atmosphere, yeah. the, the music, because I'm, I m- kind of miss the Dark Crystal music. It was, yeah. it was great, the score, but... I still miss no, the, the music for the, the the movie was fifty times better. Yeah, but but it was yeah. not like it had a bad score. It was it was well done. I just missed the themes from the from the movie in the yeah. series. And um, I think if you take uh, such a great movie like that and you want to make a prequel out of it, then you should really get to know the matter. Yeah, I, I'm very conflicted about it because you can tell by the, the the art and the craftsmanship that went into it that the the people who did that really got it they really got it's amazing, the world yeah. and the and they really put their heart and soul into it but the people who wrote the script that's a different story that's how how it feels to me and x-men first class yeah that that was, was a nice, nice prequel it showed sort of the the friendship that once existed between uh, Professor X and uh, Magneto. Um, yeah, I was. I was not. I. I really. I liked uh, the X Men movies, but I wasn't particularly interested in that one. But when I watched it, I really thought it contributed to the the series. So uh, yeah, that was that was. Well I think done. that's another positive thing I want to say about Smallville. Um, we we mentioned dramatic irony. The one thing that I done, I thought was done really really well in Smallville was um, Lex Luthor and the way Clark and Lex become best friends. And, you know, as the audience, you know that they're going to become mortal enemies. And it's really tragic because you know it's going to happen and you don't want it to happen. And that creates tension. It was really well done. And actually, you feel like Clark contributes to the the, the shift. Yeah, he's not innocent in this. Because... He doesn't trust Luther, and you keep wondering if he had 
trusted him more and 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 told yeah. him more about his his feelings and 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 taking him into confidence. It, yeah, it's it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's kind yeah. of like Oedipus. That was really really well done. That's true. Oh, and by the way, besides the sequel and the prequel, there are yeah. some we, other things. We recently saw a prequel. Yeah, we saw a prequel. A sequel. Yeah, that's the official term for something like uh, the movie uh, The Huntsman Winter's War, which we just saw. And um, that movie is the prequel to um, Snow White and the Huntsman, you know, which was an adaptation of the Snow White fairy tale, a movie with um, Kristen Stewart. Kristen yeah. Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Chris Hemsworth and Charlie Theron. So they made a sequel to that movie. And it was, uh, we call it that because the first half of the movie takes place before the original. And then there's a gap. The, the second half of the movie takes place after the original movie. So, yeah, what is that? Yeah, It's, it's a prequel and a sequel at once. So it it's a sequel. A completely new experience that baffled us to no end <laughs> yeah um and then there's something i would call a midquel um well it, it's not a term that i invented I, I i've heard it i think a good example would be in in um in the books by raymond feist the first one magician is about this war that takes place over 10 years and there are some big uh, time gaps, some big jumps in time. And then some of the later books that he wrote are stories about what happened to certain characters during those time gaps. And I guess that would be a midquel, something that tells you about what happened in between. Anyway, let's move on. So, yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about spin-offs now. Um, yeah, so um, we've mentioned that a, a spin-off is a story set in the same world or involving one or more characters from the original uh, story. It usually stands on its own and it doesn't really influence the original. Yeah, which yeah. Which doesn't mean that it cannot refer to the original in any way or no, no, no. or contribute to it for that matter. It's, it's so. done a lot in TV yeah. series. Um, right. right, yeah. Uh, like Angel. Right, yeah. And Frasier. Yeah, yeah. You take one character from a popular series and you make a new series about just that one character. Oh, and, and the Lego Batman movie. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't there another spin-off with a character from the Lego Batman movie? <laughs> imagine. Uh, I, I can imagine. Uh, there were the Ewok know. movies. Um, oh, right. The Star Wars <laughs> Ewok movies. That's a, that's another example of a, sp- of a spin-off. I've never watched those. <laughs> I saw them as a, as a kid. Um, I, I wonder. I don't remember too much of them. If you've listened to The Beast of the Western Wilds, that's, that's actually a spin-off too. Um, and you will notice that 
you do, you don't really need to listen to it in order to understand Witch Hunter or to. But uh, but it's still it. about Ludlow being the main character. Yeah, and it like contributes. A complete spin-off uh, would be perhaps something with another side character becoming the main character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and we we were thinking about doing a couple of those, right? We wanted to uh, make uh, Gustav a main yeah. character at some point. Yeah. Possibly in one of our spin-off ideas. Yeah. And then it would be different in tone. It would could it would be more comical, yeah. more silly, and you can do that, I think, because it's sort of separate. It's separate enough. It doesn't influence the original too much. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about a spin-off that you can uh, shift in in tone. I think, for example, that the Beast of the Western Wilds is more like the a horror uh, story within the Witch Hunter universe. Yeah, more than than Witch Hunter, even though it's not without horror <laughs> in a way but uh yeah i i think it's more like a, a horror story it's yeah it's deliberately more small scaled and claustrophobic and so that that um having said if there are any spin-off ideas that you have uh spin-offs that you would like um to experience within the witch hunter universe you can always uh, share them with us in the comment section um, we always like to uh, get your input and, and ideas um, on, on new possible uh, spin-offs in the, in the same universe. Yeah, there, uh, there are lots of spin-offs that you could come up with. Um. So uh, what makes a good spin-off? Well, as I was just saying, <laughs> I think a spin-off is probably a bit more free than a sequel or prequel in a sense that you know, it can be its own thing. It can be radically different. It's just, you know, it, it just has to be good on its own, I guess. Yeah, and what it takes from the original should be handled well. That's true, yeah, yeah. And and preferably by the same creator. It mm. should be like in the original, but then made more interesting. Right, yeah. So if you take one character from, from a series... Uh, for example, and you make a whole series about that one character, of course, the character will have to become much more fleshed out than it was in the original. And that's what one thing that's cool about Frasier. Uh, Frasier is a spin-off of the sitcom Cheers, but I think Frasier became more popular and well-known than Cheers ever was. But he was originally a character in, in, in Cheers, uh, a sitcom about a bar with people uh, sitting, people sitting, sitting there and drinking. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then Fraser was, you know, one of the people there, but he has a whole life. He's a psychiatrist. He has a family, uh, a brother, yeah. a love life, etc. And then they made a whole series about that. Fraser is about people occasionally sitting in a bar. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, most mostly they sit at home. Yeah. And they drink <laughs> sherry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, as I said, uh, it, it helps when a spin-off is created by, by the same yeah. uh, person who, who did the original one. Like, it, I was really relieved when um, finally, after a lot of uh, messing around, Peter Jackson was finally going to direct uh, the Hobbit movies. I'm so happy now that it wasn't Guillermo del Toro. I actually, I was hoping for that uh, from the start, but since he he um, he said that he wasn't really interested, I I thought it was always I always thought it was a bit sad, but then in the end, 
turned out he did it anyway and uh, I couldn't be more relieved that he did so Brandon Sanderson has some um, spin-offs um, for example I, I believe he has um, a novella set in the same universe uh, in the same world as uh, the Stormlight Archive Oh really? Yeah, right. And, and it sort of stands on its own. True, and and he he did that for Reckoners as well. He had mitosis, which was a, right. Yeah, a kind of a case uh, that I think is set um, between the first and the second novel of the of the trilogy. Mm. So yeah, you don't need to read it uh, in order to understand the trilogy, but it's it's a nice add-on. Yeah, it's it. sort of like DLC, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> book DLC. Yeah, book DLC. <laughs> um, okay, so we've uh, had uh, spin-offs, uh, prequels, sequels. Oh, Puss in Boots. That's a nice spin-off. That's a good example of a spin-off. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's you know, you take the character of Puss in Boots, who was very popular in the Shrek movies. The typical, yeah, character And you make a movie about him. But a spin-off doesn't necessarily need to take uh, one character from the original no, no. and turn it into a new movie. It is interesting and it, it often they often do that because it's it's usually successful especially if it's a if it's a popular character. Mm-hmm. But you could also just um, have a new story in the same setting with different characters. Like For all example. the various Star Trek series, um, Deep Space 9 and Right. Enterprise and what have you. We actually have an idea hanging there somewhere um, of making a a spin-off for the the Will of the Woods, which is uh, more like that. So in the same yes, yeah, exactly, woods, yeah, but uh, with different yeah. characters. We we've actually we've written a bit for that, but um, yeah, we never finished it. It happens a lot, actually, that we start writing something that we never finish and we don't really mention it to you. I do it all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons why it takes so long. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, besides sequels, prequels and spin-offs, what else do you have that you could do? Uh, well, uh, you have revisitations or remakes, Um which is something else entirely. Actually, we could make right. a, an entire episode uh, on that. Like yeah, revi- like Tim Burton's version of Planet of the Apes, which is yeah. sort of yeah. What is that? <laughs> it's yeah, not really a remake. What is it? Kinda. It it's a it's a new take, but it's the same story in in a way. Sort of, kind of. <laughs> sort of, kind of, yeah. It's it's an easy way to find extra content. Uh, yeah. And then there's fan fiction. That's a whole universe. Yeah. Fan fiction and like, sort of licensed fiction. Like the Disney Star Wars. Or, you know, or the many Star Wars novels and games out there. Um, Which are better than the Disney Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> People who like those movies are just so going to hate us, but... Um, I don't get that, <laughs> like, like hating people for because they have different opinions. I'll never understand. Oh no, I hate everyone who has a different opinion than me. Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay, then I better agree with you. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <sighs> okay, I'm still married. Yeah, you were this close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, but uh, um, 
what I still wanted to say about it is that sometimes these days um, it's it's an easy solution. Just take something that's there that's already popular and then you do it again. And <laughs> rinse and repeat. Sometimes they really drive it too far. Like I think uh, if they make another Spider-Man movie. Oh uh, yeah. I'm not gonna watch it anyway. I I think the last one um, was good. Wait, wait, wait. I've Which never last one. <laughs> but the the homecoming uh, one. I, okay. I saw the trailer and it looked like it was more humorous than the mm, the, yeah. the former were more serious. But I'd I, like to see it. I, I just it haven't too. watched it because I was like oh, another Spider-Man movie. I love Spider-Man, but does he really? But the thing is. This time they they this. wanted to make a Spider-Man movie that that fits in with the Marvel universe with the Avengers series, I think. Yeah, that's another that's... thing. The Avengers. How many Avengers <laughs> movies can you have? Personally, I um I got tired of the whole superhero thing years ago. Yeah, because of the excess of movies because I I really love superhero movies. But they were just. I I enjoy them from time to time, but it, there's just there are things that I enjoy much much more, and for me it's a bit frustrating. For example, that a movie like Warcraft, uh, which I really enjoyed, you know, it doesn't even get a sequel because it wasn't popular enough in 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 the states. When you know something like that just doesn't come along too often, you know, a real fantasy world yeah, you know true. like that with orcs and everything i mean that's what i love uh, and there's there's really not not much like that out there uh, and then that that could have been a great series and it ends with one movie and then, and then the avengers and all that crap it just keeps on coming and coming and they coming get 30 sequels yeah. uh, i don't know <laughs> i i i i lost track yeah and, and me personally i'm so so much more interested in in a real fantasy series like that than uh, you know People in superhero costumes in modern cities fighting aliens. So, but that's my my preference. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to having more original fantasy movies again. Yeah, but in, in, in more attractive settings. I'm uh, I just these these modern day settings they just they don't appeal to me. And in ten years then they can make uh, prequels and sequels those and deconstruct them and <laughs> i kind of like the the captain whatever. america movie because it was set during world war ii yeah that was that was remarkable speaking of remarkable oh yeah i bought a remarkable <laughs> so basically it's it's a tablet that looks like a really big kindle uh but you can you can write on it kind of like a magna doodle um but but more a lot expensive <laughs> yes a uh, very expensive magna doodle uh yeah our, our son cannot use it no 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 but yeah it, and it fe- really feels like you're writing on paper yeah um, i'm so far i'm really uh excited about it because it, it convert can convert text to uh, written text to uh, you know typed text Right, yeah. Um, Even my handwriting, which is remarkable in itself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about it, and I hope I can keep using it for my ideas and 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 that uh, some stories may come. So out. yeah. So you got the remarkable. I got your 
15 year old netbook yeah and, that's uh, usually the case i get the new cool stuff and the mean gets the rejects <laughs> that's okay i i kind of like that it's yeah. sort of he's an old-fashioned guy i'm yeah I'm, I'm old-fashioned i like using old things um he's a retro guy <laughs> yeah but not in a hipster way <laughs> Not no, in the hipster way. I, no, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm before that, you know. Yeah. I go back to the, you know, the, 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 the early mythic ages when yeah. animals could the, still the talk. The hipsters avant la lettre. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in conclusion, sequels, prequels and spin-offs. They all have their own special needs. <laughs> but... <laughs> But they all share in common that they work best when they're like the original, but different enough to add something fresh and new to it. <laughs> that sounds so corny. <laughs> no, I think I, I would agree. Um, and I think they all have their own uh, merits and challenges. And yeah. It sounds like I was going to say something else, but no, that was it. They have their merits and challenges. Yeah. Um, you do, not, you do not always have to have a sequel. You do not always have to have a prequel, obviously, or a spin-off. Um, I think the, the the real question is when is it useful to to to, to make one or, or meaningful? I think when, when you feel like there's something more to say or do. For example, with Witch Hunter, I know that there's still much more to do with that world and character. So um, I'm happy to be writing uh, The Word of Wolfen. Uh, but, you know, th there can come a time when that's run its course and it's time to do something else. Yes. Okay. So this was uh, a, a new episode, uh, amazingly enough, of uh, the Audio Epics podcast. We really enjoyed recording it. Yeah. Finally. We finally got to wrap it. Yeah. And uh, so we hope we can do another one sometime soon we're not going to be you know beholden to the tight sort of uh, release window that we used to have anymore yeah like every other thursday um yeah. because there's no. so many different unforeseen events in our life usually yeah. um children um getting ill and but you know if, if, if we have the time if it's possible we'll release new ones and and um i'll be happy to to do that yeah, me too. Great. See you next time. Bye.